1: Good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio or Chan TV. Great to be with you. Appreciate you joining us. This will be the last of the non-Redemption Thursday uh, shows, I think. I mean, I guess in theory we could do a Redemption Thursday today with just spring training. I mean, the spring training. <laughs> I was just looking at baseball because the Pirates are already down 2-0 to nothing, the Braves. I should say preseason football but it's not typically you know we don't launch a full-on redemption thursday with just preseason football unless harbaugh is out there it's funny because the hall of, did you watch i didn't ask you did you watch the, any of the hall of fame game when it no you didn't watch any no all right you sorry j- i didn't mean you, to disappoint you just become jaded to a place i didn't think you'd get to this at this age it usually takes much later in life before you decide to just ignore the return of football. Um, I'm not ignoring I We go mean, to practice. I, I just, I'm just saying, man. I get my football filled with the Knowles. You get excited about watching you know, shorts and T-shirts practice. They were actually out there tackling.
0: I can't wait to watch Baker Mayfield <laughs> take a drive this week. It'll be great, I'm sure. Uh, I didn't even know Hard Knocks came out this week. Everybody was reacting
1: to it yesterday. I don't think I've watched Hard Knocks in three years, but yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um it became kind of orchestrated in a way that I didn't like anymore. But I, I heard the Lions one was good, so maybe I should have gone back and done that one. This year's the Jets. I suppose it might be good.
0: Yeah, apparently it's just Aaron Rodgers pontificating on stuff. Always. I don't, I
1: don't know that I can handle that. Yeah, always. You do have, if you wanted to, if we were doing Redemption Thursday, this there's no Ravens game tonight. I would have come to the table with our Harbaugh cares very deeply moment. Right from the get-go. But instead, tonight, what you have is the Texans and the Patriots, the Vikings and the Seahawks. There are two games on tonight. And Friday, there's four games on. So we're back. now we're in full-throttle preseason football.
0: Apparently, Anthony Richardson's going to be the starting quarterback in the Colts' per- first preseason game as well. Saw that today.
1: That is a nightmare up in Indianapolis where the owner has taken on the Jerry Jones role of look at me, look at me, look at me at all times, look at me. Anybody who's a running back is immediately rushed to the hospital. (laughs) But you get, uh, I I said four games tomorrow, you get six games tomorrow. It's Washington and Cleveland as well as the Broncos and the Cardinals. Uh, But then Saturday you got a full slate, so we're all in now on those games. Things may happen that matter from an injury standpoint Things may happen in terms of your season-long over-under bets. We start getting juiced up now for things that are uh, results-oriented and inform what kind of uh, wagers, if you're a sporting guy or gal, you're willing to get down with. Let's take it to Florida State, which I cracked up because we knew this would happen. If you watch Mike post-practice over in Jacksonville, you'll see a, a perturbed but professional mike norvell he 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 kind of handles the first question about injuries stern but fair stern but fair just you know and then the second one he's done he's like okay i do like that he acknowledges we have some people that are a little new here (laughs) man i think it's funny uh when you have a coach that will allow the press to see practice You know, there's a lot of trust in that process, and part of that is that and it's much easier to have the conversation when, at the start of the year, you get the assembled day-to-day press, the people on the beat here in Tallahassee that are covering the team, whether it be radio or whether it be website, whether it be newspaper, whether it be television, whatever it might be. We all go to that lunch, and we all have those conversations. We have direct conversations with the head coach, uh, with with Derek, and everybody that is in athletics. Legitimately something we look forward to. Like yeah. It's
0: a good thing that they do there for the in specifically.
1: Awesome. But one of the things that gets established there for anybody that may be new on the beat or, or, or new to a website or new to a television station or whatever it might be is that, hey, look, you got to you gotta use your brain here. We're going to let you out there. Let's not report on trick plays. Let's not talk about uh, injuries before the coach addresses them because a coach always wants to be able to tell uh, a parent or a loved one if somebody got hurt and they're going to be out any significant period of time. They don't want to do that through the press. And there's just a lot of other aspects to it. Because sometimes, I mean, listen, it's football. We get it. And in football, people get hurt. They get hurt in a variety of ways and for different lengths of time that they're going to be out. And you're not going to address every time somebody's got a nick or a bruise. You're not going to deal with it every time somebody has a a thigh contusion and is going to miss two days. It's not worth your time. You're just not going to do that. But when you go where they are in Jacksonville or you leave the town and that conversation hasn't been, I guess, either had or thoroughly ingrained, then you're going to get that. You're going to get a pissed off coach who's answering questions five seconds in uh, about injuries, and he's not going to answer them. So that's how that kind of goes. It was funny. Uh, He was uh, angry, but what are you going to do? He
0: was asked about Jared Verse, and he responded, you know what, guys? And then he calmed down. And he said, we're not going to comment on anybody who is held out or not participating, and we have guys that we're being very careful with. The question was about Jared Verse, and that was his answer.
1: I would tell you, by the way, that when you have, and I, I said this to somebody yesterday, if I, I mean, Jared Verse, guys, I'm just going to say this. Jared Verse came out to start camp and was dominant. It took milliseconds for him to establish that he was ready to play. And the added weight, all of it, you could see it translate. He was dominant. He was powerful. He retained his quickness. And you could tell he was excited to play football. And so I thought, almost instantaneously, put the man in bubble wrap. Not that he's injury prone. But we have a lot of guys that have been whooping a lot of ass for a long time that have gotten better and better and better. And you think to yourself, you don't have the buffer game. You don't have a game like we had a year ago, where you can kind of get guys out there, get them indoctrinated, and then get them all out the field because it's, you know, it's obviously a, a no contest. This is, right off the bat, an LSU team that almost player for player can match up with you and figures to be a fourth quarter game. So I'm looking at probably seven guys where I'm trying to strike that balance of I need you to practice, I need you to be in shape, I need you to be Indoctrinated. Like I I talk about boxers, you know, you just go hit a guy that's never been hit on the street. The effect of getting punched is much greater on the guy that's not punched on a daily basis as opposed to the guy that is punched every day sparring. You can handle a punch. So you need your players to toughen up, to callous, to get hit. And you want them to get hit and then you want to back off. You kind of, you're always balancing. And I thought that would be the main challenge of this camp, is to get these guys a couple of really tough practices, a couple of really tough scrimmages. But how do you manage the day-to-day? It's 98 and humid. It's ungodly outside. The wear and tear on the body is obvious. They have so many means by which to monitor it all, right? And they're looking at these numbers. And they're not going to tell us what those numbers are, but that system reveals to them when a guy's worn down or not.
0: But what? Coach Norvell said today about those numbers is clearly they put in the work in the offseason because these guys' personal records, if you will, you know, it's like if you're a, a distance runner and you've got PRs that you're trying to set for five k's, ten k's, whatever. He's the way he was talking today implied that man, these guys have really hit the gym hard. They've worked well in their off yeah, season conditioning yeah. because they're seeing those numbers go to places they have not been before.
1: Well, I think that. It's pretty evident for all of us that they came into camp. A lot of these guys did with a lot to prove as far as taking the next step. I, I love the way that last year ended. I love we've talked about it, nauseum, truthfully. You got everything you could have wanted from last year. You think about our conversations at the start of last year, you know, whether you were a seven and six guy or a ten and three guy, eight and four, if you if you did the twelve game schedule, maybe you were eight and four or something like that. and Either way, we all projected that they'd be over 500, and we thought it was of vital importance that they be over 500. So you got the best of both worlds. You ended up getting 10 wins. You ended up having a lot of moments to hang your hat on and feel good about, but you were also able to say to your team, yeah, but in truth, you didn't win anything. And I said that to Mike up in Charlotte, and he agreed, shook his head yes, that... It's great to get the affirmation that all your hard work is paying off. You're a much better team than you were. There were signs of real growth. But, uh, yeah, yeah, we didn't win the ACC, didn't win the division. There's no division this year, but didn't win the division last year, didn't win the conference, didn't play for the conference title. Uh, So you still have all these things that you want to accomplish before you walk out of here. You want to obviously elevate your draft stock. You want to win a bunch of games. You want to win the conference. You want to put Florida State back on the map of the elite. You want to go to the college football playoff. You like all these things. That's all still out there. And it's pretty apparent to me that to a man, the guys that make up the core of this in terms of leadership and and productivity, every one of those guys worked hard in the offseason. It's clear from day 1 they hit the ground running. Now you just are probably going to see and we are not going to be able to report on it and we won't report on it cuz I'm not going to put ourselves, you know, put us in a bad position. But there's just going to be days where guys just take the day off, Just or where they tell them to take the day off. You're good. It's Wednesday, random day in camp. You know what? I'm, I'm speculating here, but you look at a number, and you're like, ah, he's kind of worn down. He's They've gotten after it the last two days. I'll give this guy a day off.
0: You know, I, I know we laugh about this more than other people do on the outside because this is our industry, but I'm sure that to a man could be Florida State Sports Info, to a you know man or a woman because they got mm-hmm. both at Sports Info, or Mike – it must be like this freaking Jacksonville media. Every year we got to go through an issue. Every year I wouldn't bother because you know Coach Norvell said you know uh, this should have been explained earlier. I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was explained in no uncertain terms what the policy is, to, what you can ask, what yeah. you can't ask, yeah. the manner in which you can ask questions. Yeah. And yet people just blow right past it because they're not penalized. Florida State only goes over there for two days, so what the hell do they care? But
1: every year we go through this particular issue. I question why. I know they think they get something out of it. I guess. I guess. You can have really hard practices here in full pads. It's 100 degrees here, just yeah. like it is there. You I don't I mean. I, I, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it, especially if it's going to piss you off, and it's going to piss him off. It did. It did. We'll have
0: the audio in a minute, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just, yeah it's funny, but. Just because you could hear how close he is to walking off. He was almost done.
1: Well, yeah, I I, I give him credit for showing restraint. It's, um, I mean, I I wouldn't go, I wouldn't deal with it, especially if it becomes like clockwork, which it is now, as you're pointing out. That this is always a problem. If you if this is always going to be a problem, you can't. Should, should have been explained earlier. Yeah. But <laughs> some of you are new. Oh uh, yeah but it's uh, he's smart enough to know to say uh to stay and you know he handled it fine i mean stern but fair he didn't snap on anybody there was no you know he didn't get accusatory or anything
0: but that's the other thing you know when we talked about robert scott on uh well today's thursday so yesterday's show and how mike had said he's played a lot of football we're managing him but he's ahead of schedule and he's a full participant there's a lot there that's a lot of different statements some maybe veer off in different directions from the others. Yeah. But what does it mean when you say you're going to manage somebody they played a ton of football? There's a heavy implication that that player is going to be held out, then they're going to press the gas, then they're going to, they yeah. want to make
1: sure he can what, be 100%. Well, and how we discussed it yesterday, I think is, I mean, he'll tell me if he doesn't think it's fair, uh, but I think it's fair because all I'm doing is giving my opinion on what I think that means for Robert Scott. For LSU. And for the LSU game, and 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 what I'm talking about is how much better and deeper the talent is on the offensive line than it was a year ago. If guys missed time, or if guys were being managed, or if guys were being shuffled to different positions, like you could, you know, there there was a dearth of talent on that offensive line. You had seven for five, maybe eight for five, but you didn't have twelve for five. And they came into this camp with 12 for five.
0: And and the way I would write eight is in the most shaky font I could. Eight. Right.
1: Four, five. Right. So when you come in with, as Alex Adkins said, 12 for five, you have a lot greater leeway. This is why we continue to praise the potential of this football team is that is the truth at a lot of positions.
0: Yeah. For the offensive line, I think they've got a steady eight that are in one tier. And then they've got another three or four yeah, that are in that another tier. But
1: to see, here's but the but th- the
0: three or four that are in the second tier are probably your backups from last
1: year. Yeah, and also by the way, the way I look at that, and the reason I don't equivocate with that is that I'm comparing and contrasting from a year ago and two years ago. So even if there is a tier one and tier two that you would place players in, I want to make sure people understand that the tier two is not death. The, the tier two of yesteryear was death. Tier one was death. Uh, well, yeah, you barely you, gotta, you barely found five that could even fit into a tier. Left tackles that had a zero. That's correct. So when you had players before that, if, if you were holding a guy out or whatever it was going to be, you would be like, oh, no, are they going to be able to practice today? I don't know if they can get a practice done today because the guy that has to play for so-and-so can't play. Shouldn't be here. Isn't a Florida State caliber. Not sure that they're TCC caliber and they don't have a team. Like, just all of that, right? And that is not where we're at now. Now it's like, oh, well, they're fine. I mean, I don't care if they have to go to their fourth guard. They're going to be all right today.
0: Yeah, they should have sent Coach K in for the exit interview. (laughs) You're not worthy. Can't
1: wear the jersey. (laughs) Take that spear
0: off. Rip it off your shirt and hand it to me.
1: It's a fun exercise, though, to... Day-to-day, watch this transition. I kind of went down memory lane yesterday in the second half of the show talking about the ebbs and flows of this program and the good fortune I feel I've had to cover it. I feel like, again, we're entering into another realm that changes the daily chatter, whether it's here on the show, whether it's on social media, whether it's on a message board, whether it's the national pundits, whatever it is, But these aren't unfamiliar places. It's a return to those places where the conversation shifts because Florida State has once again kicked down the door to another echelon, an upper echelon. And that changes how you're spoken about. It's what is spoken about. Not how you're spoken about, but what is spoken about. All of it changes. And you think about it. If you want to know what I'm talking about directly, okay, four years ago, if you brought up Georgia football, the only thing you really thought about was how many times their seasons have ended in frustration and would they ever finally get past the hurdle and have the kind of season that gave them a chance to win a national championship. Because they'd had 10 win seasons under Mark Richt and done all that. They had plenty of good teams with some NFL talent on it that competed at a high level, that won the East, but couldn't quite clear the final hurdle. Now that they have cleared the final hurdle, how has Georgia spoken about? Well, all at once, Georgia spoken about with a reverence for the success on the field, but also there's a daily article in the Atlanta Journal Constitution about the stuff that goes on off the field.
0: I think they've had to tamp that down since they had to fire a journalist and apologize. But yes, your but point not is
1: taken. To, but my point. You look at again, Georgia is looked upon with a jaundiced eye. Kirby is looked upon as a guy that is. Learned well from Nick Saban. That's a loaded thing to say. It's all at once a compliment and a wink, wink, nod, nod. We know what you learned, right? Well, that's reserved for the best teams in the country to be talked about with that—that that hint of sarcasm and anger and frustration and all that. Get, get prepared. That's what I've been telling you. Go look around the internet. Every two seconds, there's somebody. Who either wants to denigrate Florida State's ability to get out of the conference, suggest that there's no value in the program whatsoever? Oh, but you're spending 30 minutes of your nine o'clock evening tweet on them—that they have no value. There's nothing. Why you're linking a story to how they have no value? Play a real schedule, yeah, yeah, Florida right, State. Right. Auburn's gonna smoke yeah, you. Right. It's all of that again. That's just how it happens. There are some that come over to the other side and make you laugh a little bit. You know, some of our sworn enemies that were like, oh, Mike Norvell's not going to be able to recruit. You know, they, they can, they're not going to win any games. Well, they won 10 last year, swept the rivals, beat Miami 45-3 to in their house, and had, currently have the top five recruiting class. What, what are we talking about now? Well. They did something Alabama didn't. Beat LSU. You no. Know, so they did it because, well, let's slow down. And then it becomes, oh, no, there's no – just this is the ne- – ne- we've been there. We've watched it happen. I've covered that. I've covered the elite, down the fall, the return to elite, the fall, and here comes the return. And you can always feel those shifts. It's fun, and it usually is represented in the way that you're spoken of.
0: Yeah, the best team in 15 years in the sport at minimum, you covered. The worst offensive line in the sport. Regardless of you know, level of Division one. 100 and some odd teams, 120. It was something. The worst. Cover yeah. that too. Yep.
1: And that was more than one year. That was a toughie. Mm. That was a toughie. Jeff Camer Show 93 3, Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Kevin Show soon littered with gambling references to piss off the masses or have them celebrate. Can't wait for that full slate, Tom. That full slate, that first full here we go moment. Really quickly, I every now and then weigh in on this when it happens, especially when one of the Titans calls it a day, spins the wheel spun the wheel, did Robbie Robertson of the band. And I would suggest to all of you, as we say, rest in peace, to one of the greats, that you um, once were brothers. is a really good documentary that you might want to watch. It's really good. Really well done. Of course, you've seen most of you, I would think. The Last Waltz, all-time great. But uh, Robbie Robertson was 80. And I remember I being in college the first time that a buddy of mine, I think I was 18 or 19, Introduced me to the band, and I was like, well, how, how did I not know? And then subsequently, went, once you go down that path, it's a long, lifelong, wonderful journey of incredible music, and then the connections and the tentacles oh, yeah. of that. It's the root of its own tree. Yeah, It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, you know, Robbie Robertson once said, I wanted to write music that I felt like could have been written 50 years ago. And have it be heard today. And he did. (laughs) And he did. And it was. So a doffing of the cap to Robbie Robertson, who died. Surrounded by family, which is all you can ask for in his home in Los Angeles after dealing with uh, a long illness, I think cancer. So how was that?
0: In the event you do want to hear Mike Norvell's uh, comments, we have it ready for any point in the show.
1: Well, it's funny. Let's hear it right now because it'll put a smile on your face. Uh, I I enjoyed how terse he was. It It made me laugh.
0: You talked,
1: about, wise. The Is okay? wise you, you talked about the weather, Jared. Okay, health-wise, with Jared, absolutely. you talked about the weather, what else do you get out? of All right, guys, I appreciate everybody, you know, being here. But I'm not, you know, I don't get into injuries and guys that they're not uh, participating. And so, you know, we'll, if, if there's another question about that, then we're, I mean, we give access to come watch practice. Some guys are, some people are new. Right, and how we operate, but uh, it should have been explained before we get get over here. Uh, we don't have we haven't had any injuries that are that are ex- that are extensive at this point. But uh, you know, if you would keep it to you know questions of what you see, what you think, but you know, ultimately we're not going to talk about you know, guys that, that what their availability. Is. Some guys were limiting in reps, uh, and on days of that they're going to be heavy heavy workloads, some guys were reducing. We a lot of guys on this team that have played a lot of uh, a lot of football, so. We're we'll going to be smart as we go through this camp, and uh, you'll continue to develop every player we have.
0: <laughs> yeah. He gathered himself. How's Jared?
1: Uh, is, he, is he doing all right? Absolutely. You know what, guys? Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so he's processing his anger while the other guy is asking a non-injury-related question, though. Like, the next guy is not asking an injury-related question. He's still thinking about how pissed off he is about that question. Absolutely. You know what, guys? <laughs> that sounds like a husband to a wife after having been nagged one too many times about this issue you've discussed repeatedly. You're like, y- You know what? I'll tell you what. We're not going. That's how it's going to go. We're just not going. What do you think of that? <laughs> Ask again. <laughs> just keep asking. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> go ahead. I'm waiting. You know, like... And It works works both ways, by the way. It works works both ways. I know. I'm just coming at it from the husband's point of view. Yeah, it works both ways. I've been that annoyance, too. Those are the rare shoes that fit on both feet, both pairs of feet. But it's the best when the other one has had enough, and they've had the conversation, and they've kind of found ways to dance around it, and then finally it's just the, you know know what? You know what? (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) In our house, it usually is when the other person is working on something, because we, we both could do a lot of remote stuff. Yeah. And so there's a, a question, and it's like, uh-huh, yeah, no problem. Go ahead. And then there's the follow-up. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Right, and, right. And now mm-hmm. the signal is given. Yeah, i right tried this. The,
1: and your hands are going on the board, like you're doing work.
0: Yeah. Okay, you know, not now would be a great time. That's a great time for this question, It just doesn't
1: seem all that important now, does it?
0: both guilty in my house of that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You mean the thing for next Wednesday? Next Wednesday. Next Wednesday, right. Right. Well, I think that is an interesting separation between the sexes a lot of times. I I, I don't know. It's interesting to me that my wife wants to talk about things that are going to happen 10 days from now, 15 days from now. The definition
0: of urgency yes, is a little that's different. Yes, it's a little different.
1: It's a little different. You and I, oh, that's an hour from now? We should maybe talk about that. <laughs> right, right. Oh, this is when? What? September? <laughs> that yeah. is still, what are we doing? Right. We, we live Well, in- I mean, you're going to forget, and you know how it goes. I'm going to tell you about it, like I'm trying to tell you now. And. You're going to get caught off guard and be mad at me. And it's not my fault, and he's going to arrive. Your dad will be here at the doorstep, and you have made other plans. Yeah. You may be right, but why do we need to spend anxiety
0: in this moment and that moment? Let's just spend the anxiety in that moment. For right now, let's be cool. Let's live. So...
1: uh. <laughs> i I got to be careful, too, because as we talk about these injury things, I end up laughing. And uh, and then I realize, eh, I don't want to be on the other end of that perturbed. But uh, suffice to say, in camp, there will be days guys miss, days guys come back, days guys limp off and come back the next day in a booth, and then are okay three days later, whatever it might be. Absolutely. That's how that goes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how that you goes. You know what? Yeah. No, 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 no. no. I laughed at this this morning as I was going through, I don't know if you read the article, the uh, 96 hours that fell the conference all about the Pac-12 and how that ebbed and flowed. There's a mention of the ACC here, so that's why I bring it up. Apparently, not all of the members of the Pac-12 thought it was going to to happen the way that it did. In fact, 48 hours from the moment that the Pac-12 basically ceased to exist— Everybody was singing Kumbaya. And I thought, oh, really? So not everybody was uh, on the up and up about their intentions. You, You don't say. There might have been some bad actors in the group. Really? Huh. How could you have predicted that? Imagine. So within 96 hours, it all falls apart. And uh, they thought there was going to be an announcement that they were signed with Apple. (laughs) Even that would have been funny enough. For subscriptions. They thought they were going to sign with Apple. It would keep the conference together. Uh, That was on a Thursday night, believing they were all good. By Friday morning, Oregon and Washington deuces. We are gone. Here's your Apple. We are leaving the conference the other teams in the conference described that move by Oregon and Washington as quote "We were blindsided I don't believe you yeah that's not and true. if so then you're naive because the evidence is everywhere and that's why this continues to fascinate me Florida State whether you want to say it's not in good taste or that it's unbecoming or that you're airing dirty laundry or whatever it is you want To describe what Florida State's act has been, right? Out front, very aggressive in the messaging. But you can't say that they're blindsiding anybody. You can't say that how they feel is up for debate. You can't say that, you know, it's a little nebulous, we're not sure. You know, no, you know exactly how Florida State feels. And, I, for one, would rather hear that. I would rather hear that. I'd rather, you know, say, oh, okay, we can count them out. Because I think if you're any other team in this conference, you don't assume Florida State will be here for much longer. Maybe you think they'll be here another year. It's not like we thought they would be leaving tomorrow. You got to get it organized, but you don't assume that they're going to be here for the length of the grant of rights. So it's even more comical when I saw early this morning that oh by the way hey so the ACC has decided not to add Stanford and Cal you don't say roadblocks huh yeah it just gets dumber it, and dumber you no know, it
0: it got to a point today where you got ESPN on ESPN crime where Andrea Adelson quote tweets Heather Dinich making fun of her and said, well making fun of Jack Swarbrick and and perhaps Heather. What would you say, putting it on a pedestal, the statement as though it's like correct, that Jack Swarbrick, who's not a full member of the ACC in football, says Cal and Stanford are two good academic institutions to be left out in the cold, and that's Heather Dinnish's tweet. Andrea yeah, and Andrea, says, Andrea quote tweets dumb, it and says that's just stupid. That's just dumb. Make it
1: make sense is what I think she said and there. The, yeah.
0: Correct, and then Heather kind of took it a little bit personally. Well, that's what I said when I was on Get Up. and
1: Go easy. You I'm just allowed left- to say something's you, dumb. You just left it out there. I didn't say
0: you were necessarily, and then Heather kind of took it a little bit personally,
1: which was uh, it's nice to see that even in the the northeast offices of Bristol, or it you just know- keeps happening. I mean, look, th- th- this is a straightforward. Conversation, And we continue to have it on the Jeff Cameron show. This conversation is this Florida State can't stay in the ACC long term. How soon can they get out and for how much that's all this is. There is no reason to be here. You cannot stay here. You're going to have to find a way out. It appears they all agree with that over there at Florida State, and they've made that abundantly clear as well. Now, does that mean in the next 24 hours we know where they're going, who they're going to sign up with, who they're going to be playing football with, and a year from now, two years from now? No, no, there's a lot of things still to be answered. But what we do know is there's no chance in hell that they're still playing football in the ACC in, say, 2028, 2027. It's not going to happen.
0: And it's an open secret in the industry that the SEC is the leading dog at this point. Right. Fine bomb last week, Colin Cowherd, yesterday said, well, you're about to get Clemson in Florida State. And that would be the mouthpiece of what? Fox and the Big Correct. Ten. Correct. So it's we're moving here. But it's just one would hope, for the own satisfaction of the backyard, Noel fans, that it happens before the fifteenth.
1: Even if you're saying you're going in twenty twenty five, let's just send that notification. By the out way, there. just out of curiosity, you and I talking here, it's people are listening in on a conversation. Here you go. When do you think that they're leaving? I know I'm not talking about when they announce. They could announce tomorrow. They could announce today. They could say they intend to leave the ACC. Doesn't mean they're out of here next week. Doesn't mean they're out of here next year. I'm kind of curious. When do you think, logistically, they'd be able to be out of the conference? Think, All the legalities and everything involved in the, you know, obviously the the networks and everything
0: else. Does it usually kick in in August, right? Because mm-hmm. that that's the the academic calendar year,
1: right? I think 25, 25, twenty five, right? Twenty five, twenty six. I think now, I projected at one point twenty six, and people were like, "Really? You think they're going to be sticking around till 26? Right. And I kind of brought that back a little bit. I walked that back a little bit because it does things. Some things are turning faster than we thought they would. Yeah, I was doing backflips
0: for Texas, Oklahoma because I think you could afford it by twenty six. I think they're finding ways to afford it faster or arguments they can make for a well, settlement. Uh, by but fu- yeah, the problem is with all all the bell ringing that they were doing to to begin this month a week and a half ago. I thought, oh dear God, are they ready to go next year? Because why would you why would you do this much in the way of politicking this aggressively stacking appearance upon appearance I, upon appearance? Right. If you're not ready to act for next year, I, I agree. It seems to me that they would. But it's settled down, so I feel like 25 is probably. It seems the like right a reasonable thing.
1: Spot. But one yeah. one thing, well, and you got that game next year in Ireland. You have the Notre Dame game. You have the other games that we're looking at. So, I, one one thing I. <laughs> It will be curious to see by the fifteenth. I agree with you, but I hope it's I the twenty fourth. Still... I think
0: we all do, right? We hope it's next year,
1: but it just you mean by twenty four? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it'd be cool. That'd be cool. Yeah, sooner rather than later, sure. But I don't sit around wringing my hands over it. I end up saying it's going to happen. I just don't know exactly when, and we'll continue to look for the signs. They're everywhere, all the time. As you watch this play out, you just all you got to do is look at the people that are affiliated with ESPN, which would be the SEC, and the people that. Represent either media outlets or pundits of some kind within that group. You mentioned Finebaum. Okay, there's that. You mentioned Colin Coward. That's Fox. There you go. He's talking about it. So you have the the alignments yeah. and the information that's disseminated within those groups.
0: And those are both individuals that really like those kinds of conversations. Of course they do. It's not out of their comfort zone. They love you know the the big chess game that's being well, played. Well,
1: one of those guys was clearly told to stand down, and that was Paul. Yes, that's right. It's Jeff Cameron Show 933 Real Talk Radio War Chant TV. Oh, open, locker, Jeff Cameron Show 933 Real Talk Radio War Chan TV. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> the 15th is the date that you and I circle, but we were just talking off air, and I won't say about what, but it's, it's weird. You guys can guess this when you do this show or you're covering a program you hear a lot of things from a lot of different people some connected some not and the more that people are talking right now in the quiet time the less they know i think right
0: when it's quiet but yes
1: but i also think it's pretty cool when some of the people you would have put under under the umbrella of connected seem to know you know there have been Speculative moments from people like that where they'll be like, Yeah, don't, don't be beholden to the 15th or don't be beholden to the 9th or don't be beholden. Like one time, I said something on the air about, Well, maybe on the 11th, and then I got a, I got a text from somebody, they're like, Yeah, close, close, close. So, I, you know, close to what? Yeah, I'm like, Come on, man, to who? Yeah, for what? For what? <laughs> I don't know. So when that happens, you're kind of like, ah, all right. So it's all out there. It's, uh, can't pin it down, and nobody's willing to. I mean, somebody might be, but they haven't yet. It's
0: interesting, though, because when you're a power broker and or in the inner of inner circles, a lot of those types love to talk. I'm sure they, they do. do. Sure they do. But they all know that this is such a serious moment that I wouldn't dare. I wouldn't dare talk.
1: I think, um... It's true to say that the only people that really know, I think, probably are reduced to three or four. Yeah, yeah. It's not the entire board. No, it's three or four people that really know. And the chances that you find out for certain from those people regarding an announcement or a date or a monetary figure is very slim because typically there are legal ramifications to that. And if you want to find a, a, a secret that can be kept, it's the one that affects your pot, pocketbook directly. If it's just a rumor about somebody having an affair with somebody, that gets out quick. Because people want to talk about that. They just do. Yeah. Susan, really? I never thought. Yeah. Apparently for years. Wow. Does Keith know? No. Still doesn't? Oh. It's gonna feel like a fool if the people in the neighborhood so then it's you know that's like that that happens so if people, those kinds of conversations those secrets don't get kept they don't somebody can't help themselves they're at the local watering hole it's beer number three and somebody goes now listen and Harris right. <laughs> that's when it starts and and here comes Ed in the yeah. door He's like hey did you guys hear about Susan oh, 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 Ed, Ed. Oh, Ed, Ed. A little decorum here. People are here, Ed. It's not just us. But these kinds of things, these secrets get kept. That's one of those, the three that know, are like, now listen here. We're all very wealthy. Let's keep it that way. <laughs> yeah. Kids going to college. And, uh, got it. Got it. We're all good. That's yeah. the end of it.
0: Right. Yeah, that's uh, the godfather. The first one when they're all making the agreement if my son should be befallen by a tragic accident <laughs> struck by lightning i'm gonna blame some people in this room and that i do not forgive and, and there it is
1: that's the talk that's, that's going on right and now, and that is the talk a talk i want to have but I'm gonna wait till next week because we're gonna hear a lot more. But my man Jeremy Shepp, who for whatever reason follows me, I'm going to get Jeremy on the record on this one. Have you seen this report that Phil Mickelson may have wagered over a billion dollars? What? Oh, this makes total <laughs> sense. A billion. A billion in his lifetime. A billion. That so David Purdom, who does a good job for ESPN regarding gambling, remember when all the live stuff started, we were like, What are you doing, Phil? You're lying down with a piece of garbage like Greg Norman. This is a desperate act from a desperate man. There's something more going on. And then you had the Phil Mushtick book come out, and he was able to document... What a great name. Yeah, a lot of things. But this this is a humpdinger. There's another book coming out. And this makes much more sense. He bet more than a billion on football, basketball, and baseball over the last three decades, allegedly attempted to place a $400,000 wager on Team USA in the 2012 Ryder Cup in which he was participating, according to a book by renowned professional gambler Billy Walters. Excerpts of the book, Gambler's Secrets from a Life of Risk, have hit the... Yeah. Billy Walters? He's a professional that, gambler. That is not his
0: given name.
1: Billy Walters? Billy Walters. He's a Las Vegas businessman. <laughs> of course is. he is. No, but he's... He, listen, Billy Walters is like known by everybody in Vegas. He's considered the most successful professional gambler of all time. William Walters is not on his birth certificate. That's all I'm
0: saying. Uh, well, that Billy prob-
1: Walters? Isn't that great? This will be interesting to see. I like this. Walters writes that from 2010 to 2014, Mickelson made... 858 bets of $220,000 and 1,115 bets of $110,000. He estimates Mickelson endured losses of approximately $100 million in that span. Eh. It's not that bad. That stands to reason. I remember when that number came out originally, they are like, well, golly, if you go back this many years ago, he made $59 million. How could he be broke? Well... Walters goes on to write, and I like this. This is a nice flex. The only person I know who surpassed that kind of volume in a given year is me.
0: <laughs> I am now certain William Walters is
1: not on this man's birthday. That is fantastic. That's a persona and a half. According to the book excerpts, in September of 2012, Mickelson called Billy Walters from Medina during the 39th Ryder Cup and asked Walters to place a $400,000 wager for him on the U.S. team to win it, Walters responded to Mickelson, quote, have you lost your effing mind? Do you understand Pete Rose, exclamation point? You're seen as a modern-day Arnold Palmer, Phil. You'd risk all of that for this? I have no part in this, no. And hung up the phone. Wow. Wow. That's quite the transcript. <laughs> Walters added that he didn't know whether Mickelson placed the bet elsewhere afterwards. The Americans lost the Ryder Cup, by the way, to the Europeans by one point. What year was that, Medina? That was uh, the, the miracle, right?
0: 2012. Yeah. That was the comeback. That was Poulter on Saturday
1: saving a point. It and would then hurt your feelings if, if you had singles. placed a $400,000 bet on your team to win.
0: That Sunday I was at a bucks panthers game in tampa with a flip phone and getting my updates on the flip phone and watching the lead shrink and shrink oh yeah yeah the bucks got smoked and then in the fourth quarter of that game i saw the americans lost my man proximo was just slamming gin and tonics sweating. that's all he was doing
1: but gin and tonics not bad to be slamming if you're in a hot stadium you can't be drinking beer Um, in that situation you could smell it though and and so we lost we blew it americans blew it Uh, you think he's dead I mean, the real life guy who played Proximo definitely died during the making of the film. Yeah. But I'm saying, did your guy, you think your guy is dead? You know who's dead. 11 more years? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, he had he, 11 more he, years. He didn't
0: it. get 11 more years, and he knew it. I got to ask our buddy Matt if Proximo's still around.
1: Who was the guy that you used to always see out on the strip and then you would see him when you first started with me and, and working for 1270 when you'd pull in to set up in the morning, hungover, there was that old man. You called him Blue from old school, basically, I think. Oh, he used to hang out at Monks. Well, he was always yeah. at Monks. Yeah.
0: That was the sweetest man in the He's world. He's long gone, right? I mean, even if it wasn't because of the drinking, I think he would be. He was that kind of old. He was just old. Yeah. But he would walk to the Wind dixie across the street and bring all the servers uh, sports drinks and waters every morning. Like, that's what he did. And they just sat there, and he would drink his uh, PBR. That was a nice guy. Wow, I hadn't thought of him in years. Thank you for that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, normally I bring up somebody, or you bring up somebody, and I go, by the way, he's dead. At least this time we got in front of this one. At least uh, yeah, you just had to pause to remember something nice. Yeah, the
0: Wells guys probably know that, but yeah, I'm sure.
1: You should give him a call. You would have gone and saluted the man. I should. I'm going to have a beer tonight for him. Premier Youth Theater, that question ain't going to get answered. Stop asking it. Hour number two coming up.